Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to the show. I have Lisa Erickson here today. She's an author and energy worker. I know Lisa because I've read one of her books and actually took one of her online classes. And she was looking to be a guest on a podcast. And I said, hey, (laughs) Lisa, come on my show. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Tina. I'm so glad to be here and so glad to be talking with someone else who works in this field and really wants to spread the word. Yeah. So for my audience members that don't know, I'm trained in Reiki. I'm also trained in some other energy healing modalities like access sparse consciousness and EFT and IET. You may be familiar with some of those, Lisa. But today we're going to talk about energy lines or cords. We'll talk about why I think you, you, there's a difference. Um, And cutting those lines with people that may be unhealthy and also looking at loved ones who've already passed and how energy lines are affected that way. And we're going to dive a little bit into miraculous healings and why they happen in energy healing. And I know Lisa's probably had a lot, quite a few miraculous uh, experiences, you know, working with clients and I have too. Um, So where are we going to start, Lisa? Wherever you want to start, I mean, maybe start with energy lines, because I feel like that is something we all have that we may or may not be aware of. It's part of being human and being in relationships with others. Yeah. So what's, I'm familiar with energy cords. What's the difference between energy lines and energy cords? I find different healers, different systems do use these words differently. So I'll just define how I use them. And, you know, people may use them differently, which I think is perfectly fine. But I use energy lines really to refer to the lines that form between us and people we know in this lifetime. And it refers to the level of the energy body, subtle body that are tied together in this lifetime. Meaning our subtle body to me is this bridge between our physical body and our spirit, you might say. And there's different karmic levels of it. And at death, there's a certain part of the subtle body that dies with the physical body. And there's this other part that is linked into the karmic body that continues, right? So when I'm talking about energy lines, I'm talking about with people that are alive now and we, they're linked at that level of physical body, right? I use cords to refer more to karmic connections across lifetimes. So that may continue across beyond this physical body, right? <laughs> and beyond someone's passing. And I also ref- usually use the word cord when I'm referring to something that is like a codependency or a contract between two beings. And that's what that cord represents. And it might be within people that have just met in this lifetime, or it might be across lifetimes, right? Whereas, and so 
if you have a cord with someone, you also have an energy line. But if you have an energy line, you might not have a cord, right? An energy line, you know, you can have an energy line with your neighbor. Um, you know, with your spouse, you may have both an energy line and a cord. And there are functional and dysfunctional ones. We're not trying to get rid of all energy lines, especially. Some people would say maybe we are trying to get rid of all cords because we're trying to free ourselves of karma. But at the level of energy line, we're not trying to get rid of them. We are trying to make them functional, supportive, loving, and have the ability to close them when we need to be in energetic integrity and just feel ourselves. So the energy lines, they're connecting from one and one person's energy body to another, and it could be anywhere around the energy body. Yeah. I mean, when I'm working with energy lines or like in my book, when I'm trying to make it simple for people, I usually go navel to navel because that is the most fundamental kind of power dynamic line. But mm -hmm. in fact, it could be anywhere in your energy body and, and people that you're very close to, you're usually going to have multiple lines. Someone you're in a romantic relationship with, there's probably a sexual line and then there's a heart line and then there could be a power line, right? Could be a third eye line if you're very psychically connected. It could be a full energy body relationship. And we, the kind of the intensity of an energy line is based on the intensity of the relationship, how long we've known someone, and how often we interact with them, right? So you can have a really strong energy line with someone who lives across the world, your sibling that you're really close to. Uh, but more likely, your strongest energy lines are the people you're seeing day to day. So if someone has like a one night stand with someone, they could still have a sexual line connected to that person, even though they may have just been with that person one night. Absolutely. And it really depends on, there's a lot of things that will determine whether or not a line forms, because it is possible to have a one night stand and not have a line form in general, um, in terms of feminine and masculine energy bodies. And I do view that as a spectrum, right? Feminine energy bodies are more receptive they are the ground in which lines are planted. And so if you have a feminine energy body, you are more likely to develop a line out of a casual sexual encounter. But there are ways not to do that. And if you know how to let them go, you can just let them go, right? But if you're not aware of it, yes, you can end up establishing a lot of energy lines and then you're sort of potentially feeding energy to a lot of people you don't even know. And so it's important or that you don't know well, right? So it's right. important to have some consciousness around your energy body and your energy lines and closing them off when you don't want to be having an energetic exchange with someone. Yeah, that's so important because I feel like there's also a lot of impacts out there that have a lot of holes in their energy body. Like if you, for the audience members that are not familiar with energy healing, your energy body looks like a bubble around you and you got multiple layers, but we'll keep it simple. Right, Lisa? Right, right. Just imagine there's a bubble, a layer around you and imagine some people walking around with a bunch of holes in them or leaking or, you know, vulnerable weak spots that someone could attach and start sucking your energy, you know, like the energy vampire. Exactly. And some people, especially that are empathic, really feel fatigued all of the time, right? And it's because they have energy lines out that they don't even realize they're sending energy to other people. And then just their general bubble, maybe absorb it, and it's not properly shielded. And so then even just walking around in the world, they're picking up random energy, not necessarily through lines, but just through contact, casual contact. And so you have both of those things impacting your energy, and you can take charge of that. You can take charge of that, clearing out your energy body, closing your lines and shielding yourself better. 
I think the thing with empaths is often there are emotional patterns that contribute, and this you probably work with this too, to being prone to taking on energy, like feeling it's your responsibility to heal everyone around you, feeling you don't have a right to boundaries, feeling that you need to make everybody feel better, right? And a lot of these things can be based on patterns from your childhood or in the case of women, feminine conditioning. And you know, that, as you know, that's where I do a lot of my work is helping people release and rewrite those patterns. Yeah, and right now it's really challenging because there's a lot of chaos right now. There's a lot going on on the planet. Just physically, you know, we've got fires and hurricanes and floods and snow in South Africa, I just heard. Um, And then we have all this emotional stuff that's coming up because of COVID, being at home, isolated you know, lots and lots of fear. So do you have any um, advice or tips on how we can deal with all these energies right now? Yeah, well, for one thing, I think taking appropriate breaks is so important. And then if I were to give people one chakra to work on it related to all of this, it would be the navel chakra and bringing the fire element into the navel chakra. And I do work with the navel area as the center of that third chakra, as opposed to the solar plexus. Some people prefer to focus higher up in the solar plexus. I think for these kinds of issues, boundaries and clearing out your energy body, activating the fire element in that navel chakra daily, one of the simplest things you can do. And imagine that fire is just closing all your energy lines, like sealing, sealing you, sealing your energy body as airtight and creating a nice boundary and burning off energies that don't serve you. And then beyond that, just taking breaks. Yes, we all need to stay engaged with the news for safety reasons and other reasons, but making sure that you're taking breaks from social media and the news and the world that feel rejuvenating. What activities feel good for you? Give yourself that, that's self-care. And it's very different for each person, whether that's a candlelit bath or a walk on a favorite trail or playing with your puppies or whatever it is, right? I mean, (laughs) just find whatever it is and make sure you're creating this container of security, safety, and contentment for a little bit of time each day. Don't deny yourself that because the world is a mess, right? Give yourself that because it makes you better able to deal with the world. And you know what? The world's always been a mess. And, you know, (laughs) now we instantaneously learn about disasters. But in the past, we didn't have the internet and we didn't have access to all this info on social media. And you might read something in the paper, you know, way after the effect. (laughs) So it's like a, a different... We really have to be disciplined about the information we're taking in. Like, I think it's really helpful to just take a break from social media, you know, just give yourself 12 hours or, you know, don't look, don't look, (laughs) don't get sucked into it. Absolutely. And that is what, you know, internet is designed to do. I mean, it's the, the, psychologically, it is about like trying to get us to click more. So you have to be able to shut that off. And that also is sort of centering in that navel chakra, affirming your energetic integrity, right? 
Mm -hmm. And you're right, this, you know, we get information around the world so quickly now. So before we would have only known about the natural disasters that were right around us. Now we know them all over the world, right? And so it creates this sense of overwhelm all the time. In, this, in, in a pandemic, you know, even a hundred years ago, we probably only know the deaths around us in our community, right? Now we know the worldwide count every day, right? right. So it's just this constant influx and you have to give yourself a break and create a container for yourself. Yeah. So for those audience members that don't know what a chakra is, um, can you explain what that is and where the navel chakra is so we can, we won't lose them because we're both energy workers. <laughs> so yeah. we're very familiar with these concepts. Yeah. So the chakras are energy centers that exist in different energy tradition mappings around the world. Some of those mappings have come from spiritual traditions and some have come from energy healing traditions. And there are variations between them, but the model that has become the most common in the West so that I use in my books, although I actually work with a lot of different models is a seven chakra model, model that we have seven energy centers from our tailbone parallel with our spine all the way up to the crown of our head the navel in that system would be considered the third chakra, the way that I use it, there are variations. And it's really just below your belly button, just like an inch, half inch below your belly button, but inside your body. And it's linked to personal power and boundaries uh, and agency, action in the world, self-identification, these kinds of themes. And it is linked to the element fire in the system that I use. So activating heat right there, activating fire is just a very simple way to begin to affirm your boundaries and close energy lines to others and really to have this sense of my energy is my own. I push out everything else from others and I'm just dealing with my own energy. Yeah. And I think a big concept for people to understand is to make, to draw the line between your energy and energy coming from outside of you or feelings, emotions that are not coming from you. Cause everybody assumes it's all me. Yeah. It must be me. It must be coming from me. And then that can be extremely confusing when you're feeling anger and there's no re you're, there's no reason why you're angry. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the biggest realization for so many people when they start working with any modality, you know, even mm -hmm. meditation, right? Mm -hmm. Really starting to realize and follow your mood and your thoughts over the course of the day and when they shift. And you'll start to notice every time I talk to that person, my mood plummets, even if what we talked about was nothing upsetting. Is that person depressed uh, under the surface and I'm taking on their emotion? These are the kinds of things you start to notice, mm -hmm. right? Or I get a headache every time I talk to, to this other person or every time I'm in a crowd or there are patterns you can start to realize and then you can start saying, no, that's not mine. Take a break, clear it out as an energy. And uh, that skill can really change your life. Oh, definitely, yeah. So. The law energy lines are between people who are alive and the cords. Do you, do you deal with cords at all? Yeah, I do. Okay. Especially okay. in my private energy work. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. include it like in my public book work because it is more complicated. People often need help because it's either it's um, meaning there's still some sort of 
discomfort around someone who's passed and it doesn't feel free or liberated in some way, or it's a relationship in this life that has become codependent, dysfunctional. And so then in order to really clear that cord or rewrite it into a healthier dynamic, you usually have to be dealing with all of the emotions. What is the codependency, right? Like, okay, you know, this person's draining me, but how did I get pulled into this? Oh, I feel like I have to be needed. So I actually need someone to need me. So I keep handing my energy off. So it's this co-dynamic. So what I have to work on on my end is letting go of this idea that my worth is based on how much someone needs me, right? My worth is based on other things and rewrite that pattern energetically, uh, psychologically. Then I'm in a position to cut that cord and try to redefine that relationship or let it go completely if it doesn't serve me. That's just one example, but that's the kind of thing that you're working with, with a cord. And why are cords karmic? What does that mean? When I use the word karmic, I really mean across lifetimes. In fact, karma is in this lifetime too. It's really like as a relationship develops, certain patterns get develop you know a, a dynamic develops between two people that takes on a life of its own we all have relationships like this and we keep vowing i'm going to be different the next time i talk to that person or the next time we interact and then you get pulled back into the old dynamic it's like the dynamic itself takes on its own uh life and that is like then a karma that's been created between the two of you mm -hmm. so when some if you have a cord with someone and they pass away do those cords get severed so there's this energy line level that does get severed. And in, ideally in a passing, we grieve, we let go, and there's a sense of peace and there's a sense of the being moving on and we feel sad, but there isn't this sense of something unresolved. When there's something that really feels unresolved, if someone feels guilt, if they feel intense anger towards that person, if something feels unclosed, for either the person still here or the person that's passed, there can be a dynamic that continues that needs to be cleared. And there's a variety of ways to do that. I mean, you can try speaking to that being, you try to urge them to go on, you try to dissolve it and come to emotional closure. So then you can let that cord go and let, and let the being pass and move on. Yeah, so this, what you call navel, navel is what I call solar plexus. So. Yeah, and the solar plexus is higher up, you know, under the ribs. And I mm -hmm. think um, what I found when I researched both Indian mappings and Tibetan Buddhist mappings and Japanese mappings is there are differences in the second and third chakra in particular. And I like to work with the second chakra lower, mostly because I work with women. So I want it in the womb, right down in the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And the third chakra at the navel, because that's the center of the heart or power. Other people like to work with the second chakra higher up like two or three inches below the navel, and then the solar plexus as the third. Mm -hmm. For me, I find that more relevant to men uh, and the lower settings for women, but it's, I, I, I do sometimes work there. I think they're all chakras. I mean, there's some Tibetan Buddhist mappings that have 10 chakras root to crown and include both of those. Mm -hmm. So they're both chakras and it's just a matter of which you want to emphasize as one of the main seven and which, yeah, which yeah. not. Yeah. So um, one of the other topics we were going to talk about was miraculous healings with energy yeah. work. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I've certainly had my share of them as I'm sure you have too. I mean, I work a lot with women who have reproductive health issues because I work a lot with women who have sexual trauma and there's a uh, correlation between those two things. So sometimes it'll be cysts or uterine fibroids and someone's been told they've gotten too large. There's no way they're going to dissolve. You're going to need surgery, but we can wait a little bit. And so we'll work on trying to dissolve those and I've had many cases where we've been able to dissolve them, even if someone's been working with them for a long time. And really that second chakra in our pelvis is so linked to emotions. And so cysts and uterine, ovarian cysts and uterine fibroids often are holding emotions that have been difficult to feel. Sometimes they're holding trauma, often they're holding abuse and assault that hasn't been fully faced. And as we work through that process, people have gone back and they're like, the, the ultrasounds showed they're gone. The technician couldn't believe it. The doctor couldn't believe it. So that, those, are, those are some of the more common ones. But I've also had many cases where, you know, it didn't clear that quickly. And in that case though, surgery occurred and became a huge release for the person. And I don't consider that a failure. I feel as if there's different lessons that unfold from different healing processes. And it's important not to judge how it unfolds for you. So that's kind of my approach to it. Is it possible to inherit trauma from, you know, your parents, your, your mother, your grandparents, and that's why you could be struggling with some of this, like the Absolutely. Fist? Yeah, I, I work with like below the root chakra is another chakra that's kind of the ancestral feeding point. And definitely you can inherit ancestral trauma and take on patterns that have been running in your family. Sometimes that's at the psychological level too. Like someone knows their mother was assaulted. Their mother told them that and learning that was traumatic. And so they, you know, that trauma is traumatic, just knowing that, right? Other times they don't know, they were never told, but they're like, I have all of these like, you know, symptoms or, or signs as if I've been abused or assaulted, but I never have in this lifetime that I'm aware of. And it will be this sense that there's like, they took on something from a family member. And sometimes they'll then ask and find out, yes, I didn't want to tell you, but yes, I was abused. I was sexually abused my whole childhood. I never wanted to tell you that. Right. But then once they ask, they find that out and they realize they've been taking on some of this for sure. And I think you can intuit that that happened. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if it's a close female family member that you're you know, you're close to, I think that you could, even if they didn't say anything, you could figure out that, put the pieces together yeah. on that. Cause I've done that in my own family as well. Yeah. And sometimes people may not remember it, so they may not know. And then from my perspective, sometimes things could be past lives and we'll never know for sure. We'll never have a memory. So I like to just work with what's presenting mm -hmm. and it's okay. This feels like trauma. We may never actually know exactly what happened that's okay you don't have to know what happened to heal but you do have to know how it's impacting you now and then we can work with that so when you're doing a session with someone is it mostly remote remote yeah i work yeah. all remote because okay. i am working primarily at the emotional and karmic body level so i mostly work by phone actually and zoom audio i actually prefer not to have visual because that helps personally for me connect directly to the energy body without the physical. Now, for someone working on physical disease level, you need to be connecting to that physical subtle, subtle body level. But my main connection is 
the next layer in the psychological and then the karmic spiritual level. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing a session, um, do you work with beings to help you, uh, you know, ascertain what's going on or, you know, how are you doing that? Because when I, when I'm doing Reiki, I always call in my angels and guides in the beginning. Yeah. And then if they want to step forward and whisper in my ear, you know, go here, you know, go to the feet, you know, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working less in relation to the physical body. I, I set up everything the same way, like alignment with their, their highest self, probably very similar to what you mm -hmm. do at the start of a Reiki and clearing myself out my own intuition. But then the first part of my session is often talk based. It might almost seem like a therapy session. I'll just be asking a lot of questions, but what I can feel is the emotional response to what I'm asking. Right. Yeah. And then we're often, my starting point is often, okay, where do you feel that emotion in your body? But what I'm really asking is, where is it in your subtle body? And then we'll be going into it and we'll be working with that trapped emotion in a variety of different ways. Sometimes we might be externalizing it. Sometimes we might be working with it right there in the body. Sometimes we might be going deeper into it and memories will pop up and they'll suddenly be like, oh, I just had this thing, this memory I forgot about that happened when I was seven in school and someone pushed me and they're like, why on earth did that just pop up right now? And I'll be like, well, mm -hmm. we were pushing on this part of your energy body, right? So uh, it unfolds in that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of my questions will be about what someone's experiencing in daily life, right? Is it anxiety or, you know, why did they come to me? Um, and really trying to get to how it impacts them moment to moment in their daily life. What about if it's not issues with like um, the female organs or the ovaries or the uterus, but it's more like stomach issues that are below the belly button. And I'm asking that because I'm having that issue right now for the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I got checked out by my GYN. She's like, oh, everything's perfectly normal down there. Yeah. Well, I usually associate those with boundary issues because that is linked to that kind of mm -hmm. third chakra more than second chakra when it's digestive. So I, th so often I would be looking at um, changes in someone's environment or people that they're associated with a, a difficult energy line that's been challenged recently or some other challenge to energetic boundaries. But I also, I don't know where you are in the perimenopausal menopausal cycle, and maybe you don't want to share that, but that is often an area that is triggered during that time as well, because we have so many shifts going on in our energy body. And as we are adjusting, it's like our absorbency goes up and down, you know? So all of a sudden mm. one day you're more absorbent. And so you're having digestive issues that are actually a reflection of energy that you've taken on from others. And it's like, you have to relearn your boundaries as your energy body is shifting throughout that phase. Mm-hmm. So how can I become more aware of whether how my absorbency is changing from day to day, you know, because I know how to shield, you know, I know how to do all that. Um, I know how to tell what's coming from me and not from me. So <laughs> how would yeah. I become more aware of that? Yeah. Yeah. I think you would probably, it's going to be something very subtle. So you would probably need to take a few days or even a week where you're almost journaling it or tracking it like we do food charts and stuff to try mm -hmm. to 
where you're recording everything you eat and you discover some new pattern you hadn't discovered before in terms of what's giving you a headache, right? When someone has allergies, for example, you have to really break it down. So you might have to do some, some moment by moment tracking of your activities and when you're actually feeling the discomfort. Mm, uh, the okay. other thing I would do though, is go into the discomfort when you're feeling it and ask it questions and see if it actually has a message for you. You could externalize it if you prefer to work that way or work with it right there in your body, but perhaps it has a very explicit message for you, which intuitively is actually what I'm getting that you're actually going to get an answer. I <laughs> so do. I have here. done that because I'm yeah, a big fan of if pain comes up, touch, touch it with your fingers, wherever that is in the body and ask, what is this pain about? And it's always an emotion, mm. some sort of emotion. And I don't always know where that emotion is coming from. It's just more accepting. This is what the emotion is that's coming up. And that's why you have this pain in the body. And I was actually able to eliminate um, a benign cyst on my chest doing that. Because mm. it started out as like this little hard bump kind of on my sternum. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And then it started getting bigger. And I went to the doctor and she's like, well, you could get that removed by a dermatologist. And I said, well, let me continue working for it, working with it. And I would just press it, you know, and say, yeah. what's this about? Why is this forming right now? What is the emotion? And I got, you know, resentment. I mean, I got all sorts of emotions from it. And then it, it disappeared. It That's went fantastic. away. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I've experienced with so many cysts and fibroids, you know, uh, throughout the body. Exactly. Um, well, so the other thing around specifically digestive issues like that is it's often, I find a sign of some sort of transition. So that may be the other way to come at it is, okay, what am I cycling? Meaning like, am I, are my heal, am I going through a transition to greater healing abilities or am I coming into some sort of power and in the process of this transition, my, the body, subtle body connection is going through some sort of, you know, going through a transformation. And that often in my own case, when I felt like in retrospect that had happened as a precursor to it, I developed digestive issues and or shifts in what I could actually eat, right? Like all of a sudden certain foods that had always been fine for me no longer were, and there would be these shifts. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be the other thing is to actually, are you going through a transformation in your power? Are you about to own some new abilities? And is your digestive system trying to tell you something about what you need to support that? Because your body's your vehicle for conducting those energies. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the message that I need to eat better quality yeah. foods. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to do that. But, you know, am I transforming? Uh, I'm always transforming, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's good. But maybe this is a big upgrade. And that's why your body all of a sudden is like the foods, the food thing's got to change, yeah. you know, because yeah. you're going through a big upgrade of some type. I'm very happy it's August 31st because August is not my favorite month of the year. Um, it tends to be challenging for me. So I'm ready for September. <laughs> you're ready for some Virgo energy. Is that it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not into Leo. So <laughs> Leo's <laughs> got to <funny>. go. <laughs> but yeah, August always is very challenging. Um, 
spiritually, physically, emotionally, it's been challenging. And um, I asked one of my astrologers, why is this? And he said, well, you know, your planets go in retrograde in August and you just got to take it easy. Just take it easy and take care of yourself, especially during that month. So, yep, ready for that's September. Great to know that cycle, yeah, that's <laughs> great to know that cycle, right? To know well, that year, yeah, because I I notice in past years, August, I tend to have all these issues. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, why is it always in August? So, and it's funny because I know another one of my other spiritual mentors has the same problem. She said, when you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. See, now I don't mind August, although I have a Leo rising, so that probably helps out, but I have other times of the year that can be rough. So October is, I guess I don't have any Leo in my chart, Yeah, um, but I, I am a Virgo rising. So that's probably why I enjoy September a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. Your whole, yes. That whole rising external energy is getting fueled. Yeah. By the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you share some of the miraculous healings um, you've experienced with yourself or your clients just to show people the potential of energy healing, but with the caveat that this doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen with energy healing. Yeah. Well, I think the most dramatic, as I mentioned, were, you know, cysts and fibroids. And I once had a woman who had a very large uterine fibroid and had been told she was going to need to go to surgery. She was in her late 40s. And we just had a couple of weeks before she was scheduled for the surgery. And we, what we were meeting, uh, we were speaking almost daily to speak to this fibroid and to try to help release whatever was being held within it. She was a sexual abuse survivor. She had already done a lot of therapy on her sexual abuse. And I think this is part of the reason that she was ready. Really what had happened is she had held a lot of her fears around relationship in this part of her body, right? She was like over the years, anytime fear would arise related to her relationships or sexual contact, she had relationships and sexual contact, but she still had a lot of fear and anxiety around it. It's like she would hold it there in her uterus and it sort of built up over time uh, in the form of this fibroid. But she had done a lot of therapy to get to a good place overall in a psychological level. But in the meantime, this fibroid had formed, right? And we just worked on it and worked on it for those two weeks, not really knowing if it was doing anything. And then they went to go do the surgery and they couldn't find the fibroid. And she had, you know, basically passed it. She had had some bleeding, although as if it was a normal cycle, but she didn't think that it was, she had released any of the fibroid and she had basically managed to dissolve and release the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that's rare. Like I said, I've had many people who went to surgery and that, I think people often fear surgery or they feel like it's a failure in that case. And I don't, Mm -hmm. there can be this tremendous release post-surgery when you have something like that removed. And I always ask people to view it as now we're completing this process where the surgery is completing the removal of something you've been holding in your body. You've been working on not needing to hold it in that way anymore. So now it won't recur. And that's really the way to view the two modalities working together. Right. Yeah, I love um, that. Yeah. 
I'm sorry if you can hear my cat. My cat is complaining about something. That often, <laughs> I don't know if you have a lot of, you know, because I work remotely, people and pets is often a problem because they'll be like, oh, whenever I work with you, my pet just wants to be right in my lap because they want that energy. If I try to lock them out, they scratch at the door. So pets are, pets are so attuned to energy. So there's a lot of interesting stories around pets. Yeah, well, I even pay attention to what was just said mm. or what we're talking about. And I feel like animals come in and, and say, hey, yes, pay attention to this. This is important. You know, almost That's like- great. The meow is an exclamation point at the end of what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I just no, that's allowed, a great thing. They're yeah. so intuitive, right? They really are. They're like omens. <laughs> yeah. So I just, e- even if it's not pets, if I hear like a siren or a dog barking, like I'm paying attention. I'm just very aware in the moment when I'm working and yeah. with Reiki or energy healing. And I'll be like, well, what, what was I just thinking or what chakra was I working on? And maybe this is an additional message on top of yeah. that. I feel that way about birds too. I mean, birds are such a, and a worldwide and cultures all over the world, birds and different birds have different signs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, ravens and crows, if they cross your path and owls, and uh, we have a ton of seagulls around here and pelicans. And just, I'm always paying attention to the birds. And when my attention is drawn to them, for sure. Um, I think other stories that are interesting to me have to do with uh, people, how often their fear of something um, is actually greater than the problem. And once you work through the fear, they're okay. Like people who felt, who I'm thinking of one woman who felt that, you know, she had this, she kept feeling as if they were these external beings or entities that were bothering her, right. That would, you know, um, she would feel restless leg syndrome at night and she really felt it was like beings bother her and she couldn't sleep and she would get herself into a state where she felt very afraid and really in her own mind, she didn't have any control over this kind of contact, right? Like she just took it like, oh, these things are out of my control, et cetera, et cetera. And so really trying to rewrite that for her getting to some of her childhood experiences that had created these fears and helping to rewrite them and creating this sense of, no, I have a right to just push this away. These beings don't have a physical body. They actually can't tune into my frequency. If I just, I have the ability to just change the channel and they can't find me, right? Because they don't have physical bodies and working with that kind of repatterning and reprogramming can have a dramatic impact. And in that case it did and it you know, changed her sleep for the better forever, right? She'd been struggling with this a long time. Yeah, and I always tell people, like, I'm, I'm a big believer in empowerment and using your power as a human on this planet that has a soul. We actually can command and dictate what happens here. Yeah. So if you do feel like there's something around you or you have the right to say, you must leave me. I command you to leave me, go away. That's right. I don't want you here. And that's a boundary, right? It's all about boundaries. Physical and spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as you represent in that story, so often it's our, we don't believe that we have the ability or the right to affirm that boundary. And that's actually the main problem. The thing we're being bothered by isn't the main problem. It's that we feel we don't have the right or the ability 
to affirm the boundary, right? Right. And that's true in just basic human relationships too, right? We get often someone's power over us is mostly based on the fact that they keep telling us they have power over us in one way or another, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And when we wake up to, no, you don't actually, <laughs> I have choice here. That's, uh, that's changes everything. Right. So or I know they, I feel yeah. like that's so much of the work. They know? try to imp- like, they try to impose their beliefs or their opinions on you and they don't have that. Right. That's right. And, and you can put your foot down and say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it often does then appear to be a miraculous shift, right? When someone comes into their power, things really can change dramatically over time in a way that other people will think of as being a miracle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it's just a technical, it's like a technical shift that (laughs) occurs in the energy body, right? But even in like your dream state, I'm starting to do this. Sometimes I see things or I see beings that are not pleasant. And I have said in my dream state, go away. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, we're not talking. I don't want to interact with you. (laughs) Just go away. Last time I did that, that being just disintegrated in front of me. That's right. And that's really what our life is like, right? Our life is like a living dream. But taking that power in dreams, I mean, that has, there's many traditions that practice dream yoga, but that is the main thing is believing you have that ability to shape your dreams. Mm-hmm. Because we actually are sort of tend to think, oh, our dreams are just something happening to us. It's like this movie being thrust upon us, we can't do anything about. But really waking up to that moment, oh no, I can actually shape my dreams. That's everything. And that's everything in life too everything in life yeah that's a good point because I think I've come to the point I'm starting to shape my dreams now yeah and if you can't make them go away you can ask for help just like you do in your waking state that's right that's worked too so and then those two feed off each other you know so there's like spiritual traditions where you use dream yoga and getting more control of your dreams to then really believe in your waking life, you have the ability to co-create your reality, right? So the two work together. Like as you gain more power in one, you gain more power in the other. Right. So when you're doing a session with someone, um, are you Reiki trained, by the way? Yeah, I was at one point and I don't do it. I don't really use that as my main modality anymore. Okay. I would say I'm more okay. shamanically based. When you see a block, for example, have you ever seen shapes or have you ever seen like weapons that may be still in the energetic body from being killed with that weapon in other lives? I often get a visual as I am focused on the obstruction. So say, for example, we're working with anxiety patterns. So I've asked someone to go into a situation in real life where they felt anxiety and tell me where they feel it in their body. So then we both go into that together. And yes, often I would say I don't see it in the body. I see it as a visual in my own mind that could be something like a weapon, mm-hmm. could be a visual. And I won't really know, is this a past life? Is this just a visual that is a situation similar to what created, but I'll share it and we'll dialogue off of that because often they're getting their own visual. We'll dialogue off of that. And again, to me, the value is not so much coming up with a big story of what happened to cause the obstruction. It's more 
what does it reveal about the obstruction like that anxiety is really about not feeling safe in a female body is that obstruction really about not feeling safe whenever something changes in your environment uh is it about particular types of people etc like what is it that is really the root of that anxiety and then we can rewrite it right we can rewrite it we can work with it energetically to dissolve it and then work psychologically to rewrite it because one of the best miraculous healings I've experienced with a client is there was a woman coming in. Um, she tried Reiki the first time. She thought it was okay. And then I tried access bars consciousness, which is just gentle touches to the head. Mm-hmm. And different areas of the head represent different areas of your life. So she liked that a lot better. And she had been experiencing debilitating headaches for years and years and uh, and this is the person that has tried everything and I always love getting those clients oh yeah when they've tried everything and nothing worked this is they're ready to heal it and that's when most likely you'll see something miraculous happen if everything aligns right so in that second session I was giving her you know access bars on the head and I saw an arrow that was inside her head and the piece of it was outside and whenever I see that I feel like I have the green light to remove this because obviously this has got to be causing headaches this has got to be some way she died in another lifetime she still energetically had that arrow sticking in her head so I removed it with my hands and filled it with Reiki and I told her what happened afterwards I didn't have a conversation with her during but afterwards and I said I think this is it like I think this is going to resolve it and so I didn't see her for a few weeks maybe a month or two and she made another appointment And she came in and I was like, well, how have you been doing? And she said, I wasn't sure it was going to work, but my headaches went away right after that session. And I waited and waited to make sure they were gone for good. Wow. I love it. Yeah. It's like that ripeness. Like you said, she was just ripe. And then you were the right person in that moment to see it and remove it. And that's such a beautiful story. And that's, and that's really how I view it, right? Like the moment yeah. has to be right. And then you're an agency of this, right? Right. And it took the second, it took access bars, not Reiki. So sometimes it's, it's wonderful to be open minded, yeah. especially as a client with energy healing to try different things. And if it doesn't resonate, especially with a practitioner that's been trained in different modalities, try different things and you know she liked the access bars better and for some reason I was able to see it in that session and I didn't see it in the Reiki session yeah isn't that interesting I also think these different modalities you know yeah they come at it in different different directions the subtle body from different directions so something about that modality which I'm not familiar with but just opened up your scene to see what you needed to see and maybe it's because I just focused on her head for an hour, you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, because with Reiki, I move around the body, but with access bars, it's all about the head and she really enjoyed it. So, you know, she felt that was relaxing to get her head touched that way. And that was where a lot of source of her pain was. So yeah, I just, 
it can happen. And it gets me so excited because I just want people, I love helping people and I want them to heal as much as they want to heal. And when we experience that, it's like a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Well, it's like an affirmation for yourself, right? Like to me, it's so beautiful when these things happen because you really recognize, oh, we're we're all part of this larger fabric. And to be allowed to be an agent of something like that, to be a part of a moment like that is just such a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an honor then to be a healer. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Lisa, I had so enjoyed talking with you and it's such a pleasure to talk with another energy worker who clearly has a lot of experience. Because all the questions I asked you, you were able to answer. <laughs> uh, well, likewise. No, this has been a great conversation. It is so great to speak with another healer and energy worker. And um, I honor the work that you're doing. And I just feel and see your light. So that's lovely. Yay. I had, a, <laughs> I had another guest and he was telling me all the colors he could see in my aura. As I was, was responding to what he was saying. So he was talking about some interesting topics and he said, I can tell that you're responding to what I'm saying by the colors and your aura. I'm not good at aura colors. Um, Sometimes I see it, but that's not my forte. So can you tell the audience a little bit about your books and where to find you and if you have any trainings coming up? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, just commenting on what you just said. Yeah, I don't really focus so much on aura colors either, because they're more in the moment, you know, and I do Mm -hmm. so much of my work, not even physically, right? But from you, I just feel so much love, like you just have a very pure heart and pure motivation. And I feel like that's everything when you're a healer, because if you have that, you remain open to what's best for your client. It's not about your own ego. So you will see what you need to see. So I feel like that's the most important thing and for and, some, and my is emphasizing that too so. <laughs> that's right and the audience too when I'm, I'm I see Lisa because we're on the zoom and we we when you're with another energy healer or light worker it's like we get our batteries charged just yeah. by talking about these topics and it feels really good and yeah. so it's just a pleasure to connect with people and that's why I love doing this podcast because I get to connect with people and learn about what they're doing so anyway that's great yeah Uh, well yes so my website is enlightenedenergetics.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as chakra empowerment and I have some one day workshops or really they're three hour workshops coming up this fall on energy work for sexual trauma boundaries and menopause and I have another one that will be added on uh, manifesting and then I'll be doing my three-month chakra empowerment for women course that's tied to my book starting in January the next round of that and then the book's available on Amazon and other places and that's the the course that I took with Lisa I think it was last year a year ago yeah I did it twice I did it I've done it three times so far in the last year and a half so I don't know which one you took I did it this this winter and last fall and then the spring before I think it was last fall when I took it so I highly recommend Lisa's book I read her book and I took the three-month chakra empowerment for women course and thank you so much Lisa for being a guest on the show 
Thank you, Tina, for having me and for all your work. You too. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.